This is the Drunken Comedian Podcast with your host, Matt Hoss. Hello and welcome to episode 9 of the Drunken Comedian Podcast with me, Mr. Matt Hoss, and it's a pleasure to be speaking into your ears uh, once again. Thank you for tuning into last month's episode, which was with Dr. Sophie Quirk over at A Cup of Tea. And uh, yeah, it was a really lovely and kind of a, a bit of a different episode. I hope you kind of enjoyed the different kind of style of it. Yeah, it was. Uh, so she was one of my lecturers, and it was quite nice just to catch up, really. And it, yeah, it was. Uh, it's something a little bit different, but we are back to the old usual, um, usual podcasts. Um, that's how that's unusual in uh, Europe, apparently. Um, this episode is very special because uh, we have a really, 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 really fantastic guest. It's uh, Alistair Beckett King, and Alistair's quite a quite a name on the circuit. He's quite whimsical, and he's just a very charming man. And I had the pleasure to get him onto the podcast as well. Uh, again, this is another Hastings Fringe podcast. Uh, so there was a couple of gulls screaming. Uh, it, we talked about a lot of different stuff, like uh, Telltale's Walking Dead, The Ember Fringe. Uh, this is also recorded before his Ember Fringe show, his debut show. And unfortunately, I didn't have time to get this out before that, so he does plug it at the end. But to make it up for him, I'll plug something else for him in the future instead. Uh, but I'll save that for the end. Uh, but we talked about a lot of range of stuff, from whimsy to a little bit of politics, to some legends, and uh, also Morrissey as well. Uh, I think everything, to be honest, in the podcast kind of speaks for itself, so there's not really that much need for a big old introduction. So, uh, But if you don't know about Alistair, he's a Leicester Mercury comedian of the year 2017. He's a vegan, and he's going to blow your mind. Welcome to the podcast, this is episode 9. With Alistair Beckett King. Hope you're ready for our podcast today, and I hope you're ready for what we're about to say. Are you sitting comfortably on a bus or a train? Because we're gonna go straight inside your brain. Get ready for the podcast. Yeah. Hope you're ready for the podcast. I bet you're ready for the podcast. Yeah, yeah. I- probably ready enjoy the podcast i've done a couple of, a couple of things um me and i don't know if you know james shakeshaft are recording one at the moment oh awesome where we uh investigate local legends oh cool i say investigate not like Morgan and scully we just talk about them and yeah. then make fun of them so we don't <laughs> so investigate yeah. there's not that much so it's a bit, a bit like the power pod but like more uh, well um, i didn't know about the power pod it's, yeah. it's not um it's not um, folklore. It's it's because these are lo- these are it's local folklore. So it's not um, famous legends, yeah. and it's not ha- you know contemporary hauntings. It's forgotten folklore. So it's like there's a big stone at the end of that road, and in the Victorian mm. times, everybody used to think it was a witch okay. or something like yeah, that. Yeah. So things that nobody outside of that village would know. Yeah. Trying to dig those up and okay. talk about the really specific. Forgotten folklore is the phrase we're using for it. Okay, that's really cool. So it's cool. specific and regional, hopefully. And how, how many episodes have you done of that? So far we've recorded... Uh, I think we're trying to record sort of eight or something before we release any of them. And we, I think we've done six at the moment. Oh, that's cool, man. Or maybe, I don't know, I can't remember. We've done lots of little stories, but some of them are shorter and some of them are longer. So oh, yeah. it's how they fit together to make a series, I don't know. 
But I kind of like that because um, Netflix kind of started with that thing because, um, well, obviously with the television, um, a TV program had to be like a, a specific length. But with the age of Netflix and podcasts, you can kind of pat out. Uh, it can be any uh, amount of length, mm. you know. I find that very cool. So uh, what podcasts do you listen to on a regular basis? Well, my, my, my girlfriend is a huge fan of true crime podcasts. Wicked. And so I hear sort of uh, by passive listening a yeah. lot of true crime. Which is mostly depressing. Yeah. I mean, it's really, really because it's all just um, disenfranchised people of colour yeah, sort yeah. of grimy midwestern towns just getting murdered over and and the mystery is oh what happened? Did they got murdered? Yeah, yeah. And they always get murdered. Every one of them. They just the mystery was they got murdered. Yeah. Who? who? By someone who should have been looking after them. Yeah. Probably. It's so depressing. Um, but she she really likes them. Yeah. She doesn't like murder. She's yeah. against murder, yeah. obviously. Yeah. Imagine if your girlfriend was like, you know what, I do actually like the murder. I think I it's the murder I like. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, maybe we should do a podcast, which is just, it's like a, like a parody kind of podcast of these kind of true crime things. It's just like, yeah, that guy did it. Just It's like, <laughs> who did this? It was that guy. Boom. Like or a, just one where it turns out all right. In yeah. The end. yeah. <laughs> you know, where is Sheena this and that? Yeah. I, we found her. She just, she just moved to a different town. I love like kind of a lot of apocalyptic stuff. Uh, there's a there's a video game called uh, the Walking Dead video game run by the Telltale. Telltale. Yes. Yeah, big, big, well, I've only played the first series because yeah. it was too depressing. Oh uh, yeah, but I, I I love Telltale. But, uh, again, I do love Telltale, and I love that se- uh, particularly the Walking Dead series. But I just I, I say it's quite a depressing game because like you you fall in love with the characters, and then like they inevitably like get torn to shreds. But like I just wish there was one episode where everyone just had a nice time. You know, <laughs> just like that would be really nice. Uh, yeah, just be because re- like. Uh, the third series came out and the final episode was very dramatic uh, and I was just like can't we just can't we just have a hug uh, yeah. that would just be well, nice that's exactly why I stopped playing at the end of the first series because I thought no I, I care about the characters too much to allow them to continue <laughs> in this misery so as far as I'm concerned they're just left suspended yeah yeah exactly and as long as I don't keep playing them they can't keep suffering <laughs> I wish you can do that in life just like no no <laughs> just if I don't pre- yeah, yeah. I just don't pay any attention it'll be fine um, but it had uh, that quality that like you you get with really good books of in between playing episodes and in between playing it I was sort of worrying about the characters yeah. and that's <laughs> yeah. so rare in a video game or I was thinking oh did I do the right thing there and yeah. how often do you find yourself going oh dear um, I think I may have made the morally wrong choice in yeah. a video game it's I've, I've a rare treat because uh, in case uh, like listeners don't know um you you can't uh, you have to make choices uh, and you have to choose dialogue options and you're forced to make uh, choices which affect the rest of the game and uh, the, and there's some really hard dilemmas in there and uh, <laughs> I remember in a couple of uh, uh, choices which I've had to pause the game just had to go outside and just ponder life just like I had to really <laughs> think hard about it as well it was like uh, which probably didn't make any difference but like uh, what people there's a weird thing because people get really annoyed about the f- fake fake choices fake choices in those games but. I think I suspect there's a right-wing, left-wing divide. I haven't got yeah. any evidence for this. I think there's a right-wing, left-wing divide in the people who are annoyed about fake choices in games. Yeah. And I think it's right people, right-wing people who are annoyed about it because, in general, right-wing people believe that your choices have a, are the, the decisive factor in your life. Yeah. Whereas I'm Marxist, and I think your choices are mostly irrelevant yeah. and that other factors have a bigger... They're not irrelevant, yeah. but your, your choices are hemmed in enormously by 
circumstance. And so a game that gives you the impression that you're making decisions but in fact doesn't have much of an impact on the outcome is far more realistic than yeah. a game that lets you decide the fate of worlds. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Uh, but imagine like Donald Trump playing a, a Telltale game. It's like, hey, that's fake news! <laughs> that's a fake game choice! Can't I let both of them die? I don't understand <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. why I would have to make this choice. Wait, do I kill the guy or do I spare him? Can I get rid of his health care? <laughs> that was the topical part of the show. Yep, <laughs> it's uh, in the bag there. <laughs> I don't need... Uh, do you do topical material? Uh, 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 rarely. Yeah. Uh, no, not really. I, um, I will I occasionally think of a witty thing to say about politics, but I, I think I'm too sincere. <laughs> yeah. I, don't, I don't understand how people manage to make jokes out of the news because I'm just too genuinely upset or yeah. angry most of the time. and mm. I don't think... Some people are hilarious when they're polemical, and I don't think I, I am yeah. funny at all. When I'm, I'm just too sincere. Sincerity's not that funny, yeah, is it? Yeah, it's just like you oh, can't just go. Oh, really? We should try and do a bit better than <laughs> yeah, this. Yeah. Come on, guys. That's not that hilarious. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm totally in the same boat because I'm like, I actually care about these things. I'm too attached to it. So it's not, like, it's, but when I say Andy Zaltzman or uh, any like uh, amazing political mm. comedian, uh, like I'm just like, that's really funny. I want to be like them, but also, but like, but then again, I just don't have that kind of quality. I'm not like, I'm just like, oh, that's that's, that's sad. Uh, yeah, I mean, but also it's it's a in addition to that, it's a huge skill to be able to just look at. Look at the newspaper and see that there's uh, industrial action in the biscuit industry yeah. and just have to try... And, I mean, admittedly, that would be really easy to talk about because it's so silly, yeah. but um, something more realistic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so uh, you've just arrived at the Hastings Fringe Comedy Festival and when, when are you performing? I'm performing at 5.15 today, which is in a few hours. Yeah, and uh, are you looking forward to the show? I am. I was here... I did a, my, a first show in a, in a different venue here on Thursday and uh-huh. that was very nice. Um, and everyone was very friendly and I quite like Hastings uh, I should say I more than quite like it while I'm yeah, here shouldn't yeah, I I'm yeah. actually here no I, I do like it <laughs> yeah. uh, you can edit that out yeah no but it's like it's like a scary version of Brighton it's great <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah totally uh, I, I, after my solo show on the Friday I, my friends who I'm staying with decided to take me out uh, and we went out in town and I thought yeah I've been out for a while I'll just have a bit of fun but we went into town and it was just so depressing there was like there was, um, in the new town there's a lot of um, it's a lot of a poor it's a much poorer area uh, so there's a lot of like homeless people around uh, and there were people just passed out in the street and I was like I don't really want to go out anymore I'm very sad yeah uh, um, sorry I kind of distracted from my own question but uh, uh, sorry, um, <laughs> sorry no hom- homelessness is a, is a serious issue and how was um, how was your show on Thursday how did it go uh, it went it went alright uh, yeah. it was very very hot uh, oh, and uh, the audience were very nice and so I got through it it was one of those ones where, you, where yeah uh, it, it, not one where I'm sort of working on the, f- the fine tuning of the wording but yeah. just trying to uh, trying to deal with the fact that it's in a bit of a rough and ready context because yeah. it's in a pub and people are coming in and out. Yeah. And uh, so one someone knocked on the window to signal to someone in the audience, and yeah. when there's only fifteen or sixteen people in the audience, yeah, exactly. that's that's a serious percentage of the audience <laughs> yeah. being communicated with through mine, and that's distracting. Um, and so you just—it's not working about oh, oh, is the exact wording of that punchline right? Yeah. It's more like, um, am I being hopefully entertaining enough that yeah. when they finish communicating with their friend, they're still going to want to listen to what I'm saying? Yeah, it's, it's less perfecting the show, it's but more just uh, uh, battling it through. Really, Try, or, yeah. yeah, trying to work on the—the the, I don't know if it's show, show personship. I'm trying to yeah. gender neutralise yeah. the word showmanship yeah. there. Nice Hope one. you appreciated that. Yeah, I don't know if it's that or if it's just because uh, in trying to work on it, I've realised that there's lots of things to learn. 
about doing a solo show mm-hmm. and it is more than just having lo- lots of jokes although that would help yeah um, so uh, please send in some jokes <laughs> yeah, yeah. If you have any. wait mate if, if anyone's going to get any jokes from the, the listeners it's going to be me because I'm in desperate need <laughs> right, but if, you, if, if there's any leftovers after, yeah, after 60 minutes yeah. let me know I'll let you know but yeah but just uh, how, how do you just be engaging for that amount of time yeah and how do you make sure people want to keep looking and listening at you for that amount of time it's not just like doing if I was better at maths 35 minutes yeah. bots what's 30 times 5 no way is that an hour I'm an yeah. idiot yeah. <laughs> 12 um, times 5 12 times 5 yeah. I'm going to believe you because yeah. I can't check Yeah, uh, it's not like doing 12 5 minute spots uh, yeah uh, and it's uh, yeah it's it's um you kind of have to get that ebb and flow of it as well because like, even though I love comedy and I love uh, going to see fringe shows but even I'm like checking uh, my watch at some point just, mm. just to kind of figure out how long's left if you know what I mean well uh, I think 45 minutes is a better length for yeah. a show than an hour yeah but the, the powers that be have deemed that an hour is what we want yeah <laughs> how many times have you been to Edinburgh Fringe? Um, I think, oh I've been a few times now I think 2013 was the first time I went yeah and so I've done sort of uh, sh- multiple hander shows yeah. um, up until now and I, and I did one with uh, Barry Ferns um, oh, wow. behind Angel Comedy which was uh, a choose your own adventure show oh, so, that's so, so cool uh, and, and would you believe the decisions the audience made had no impact whatsoever yeah, yeah. on the outcome <laughs> of the story um, very nice but, uh, uh, but unlike uh, Walking Dead there were, there were no tough moral dec- decisions to make because whatever the audience did everything went terribly wrong yeah. in the plot <laughs> Uh, that's, that's uh, and that really, was lots of fun to do. Yeah, that, that sounds like a great uh, show, man. It was super silly and fun yeah. and very studenty. And um, so when we got a good sort of young audience, they really they really got into it. And uh, I mean, it ends with us get, with us for, for having one member of the audience beaten with inflatable hammers. So it's really sort yeah. of uh, whackaday yeah, quality yeah, yeah. of silliness. But the um, it it. Uh, it was fun to do. It's shockingly difficult to to write all the different permutations. I was going to say, yeah, of funny um, options. And the most annoying thing about it is because you know what it's like if, you, if you're doing a list, mm-hmm. then you put funny things in the list at certain points. So bum mm-hmm. bum bum, funny one, yeah. or something like that. Yeah, yeah. The trouble with that is people choose the funny one. So when you've got a list of options for people to pick, yeah, they always pick the funny one, and yeah. so you never get to play any other version yeah, of the yeah, show. Yeah. <laughs> than that so, so, that. so the audience don't even really want choices yeah in a weird way whoa <laughs> that, that, take note telltale yeah <laughs> oh man that's uh, uh I think we just hit existential crisis on this podcast that's, <laughs> that's cool man and so uh, so this is your first solo show oh. the, the, uh, yeah this um, not, not, not the gig tonight but the show that I'm yes. doing in the gig tonight yes, yeah. is the first time it will be my debut show but I've, I've done you know, multiple handers, but it, yeah, it, is, yeah. it is by a long stretch the longest that I have been on stage on yeah. my own. And uh, and do you enjoy performing in that hour landscape, or uh, so far, yes. Yeah, um, it's been way more up and down than doing than doing normal gigs or club gigs, um, and so that's been quite. Um, I think that's normal, but it's been difficult to learn and get to grips with. Yeah, but I didn't really. I didn't. Uh, some people I know started did a debut show way earlier than I did in, in, in starting company and I, I waited because I didn't really want to do it I didn't have the impulse to do it until mm-hmm. um, sort of last year yeah and then I, and now I have and now I quite like the fact that um, there's nobody else to I was there's nobody else to mess it up yeah yeah but I mean I still mess it up loads yeah but there's you know, there are times where you sit, I'm sitting waiting to be on a, a, a gig and I'm just thinking, I wish this compare was setting the room up in a different way. Yeah, I don't, yeah. I don't like what 
invariably he is doing <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, and I, you know and I, I'm, I'm going to have to sort of find a way of explaining to them that I'm not going to be a continuation of what's happening and I'm going to do something different and I don't really have the skills for that and yeah. with a solo show with a solo show the problem is that I need to do what that compo is doing in my own way yeah, which yeah. is a completely different thing but there's no way you don't have to explain to people yeah you don't have to you can control the show yeah. you can control what it's about and yeah. what it's like and um if people are coming to see you, they kind of already uh, bought into the idea of you. But if you're in a club set, they're not they're not necessarily there to see you. You're just a product on the bill, if you know what I mean. So uh, yeah. they, they kind of, and that means you can kind of um, you can kind of lead them into different areas of comedy as well. You can kind of uh, uh, you can kind of take them more for a ride and stuff like that. And you go on a journey together in that way. Well, I hope so. I don't I don't I don't have enough experience of doing it to know whether that's possible. I know that is possible from observation. Uh, of other acts mm-hmm. we you know uh, over several years building up an audience and within a single year um, leading leading an audience on a journey uh, I don't think I'm doing anything as ambitious as, <laughs> as that uh, yeah um, <laughs> it is ambitious for, for me for me personally because just talking to people for that long is something I haven't done before yeah but I don't have any particular um, I, you know I'm not hugely into the, the highly narrative hours or yeah. the really personal confessional ones or that sort of thing that's uh, I think that's great it's not it's not what I'm doing yeah. so I haven't I haven't tried to put that into yeah. the hour so but I think that's a but you've still been very authentic to yourself though I suppose um, um, so, but what is your um, so what is your show about if anything or is it just uh, um, I've, I've only recently started to have an idea of what it's about yeah, yeah. having previewed it several times so far uh, I, I, if there's an about it's about my uncomfortable relationship with reality okay because it, it, as a person I'm a, I'm a, I'm a left wing Marxist type yeah but in taste um, <laughs> I, I like uh, frivolous fantasy and whimsy and fairy, fairy tale yeah, yeah and I ought to be you know sitting at home watching Ken Loach films the whole time and yeah. Ken Loach is great yeah yeah um, but I would rather watch something with dragons in it yeah, please yeah. and I feel like there's, definitely uh, man <laughs> I, I feel like I'm sort of cheating on, on I feel like I'm cheating, and and I feel like we live in an age where uh, where whimsy is a is a uh, a word that people speak in hushed tones. Yeah, and is, is, yeah. is condemnatory. Oh, I hate whimsy. It's all just yeah. unicorns and stuff. Uh, I, I what's I like? I don't know how you could hate whimsy. Yeah, yeah. I like the feeling of being whimsical. <laughs> I like things that are whimsical, and yeah. I like whimsy. And so, um, and so, I, I I want to do a show which which is whimsical and defiantly whimsical. That totally puts the uh, choose your own adventure story into a, a, a co- even cooler aspect. As far as you being very, you, you can make you, you could have made that uh, thing very whimsical and very like a, mm. a, a fantasy based. But yeah. That's well, the, actually, when we were doing that, we were thinking, you know, there is the the, the really good version of this. Yeah. Would uh, might actually make that point in a funny way mm-hmm. that, um, that, that that we aren't really particularly in control of our lives mm-hmm. you might actually be able to use uh, a, a, a choose your own adventure context to make to make that to communicate that idea and, and make people realise that lots of people are trapped within yeah. uh, their environment and their circumstances and their own history yeah um, but we didn't do that we just uh, made a joke where the queen was a robot but <laughs> we, we realised that we could have yeah, and yeah. that's the important thing uh, well I've, I've, to us, uh, we've, we've just so engaged in the conversation I've kind of gotten to welcome you onto the podcast so, oh, uh, right. I, I always do this as well but like uh, I'm glad you're on the podcast it's an absolute pleasure to have you on I'm, uh, I'm glad to be on the podcast my name oh I haven't introduced myself shall well, I tell you who I, I am uh, actually yeah, if you want to do like kind of a cool radio thing that'd be really, <laughs> like, hi uh, uh, you, you, yeah. I don't think I can do a cool radio thing <laughs> 
You're listening to... No. no <laughs> can we go? It's good. I, I enjoyed um, it. Hello, listeners of this podcast. Um, my name is Alistair Beckett-King, and I am a comedian. Yeah, awesome. Um, I, I've got some like kind of um, like stock podcast questions, which I ask most of the, uh, the comedians. Uh, and uh, uh, I appreciate that you're opening a sort of fine ledger of, of, it, of podcastery there. Yeah, po- uh, the po- podcast ledger. Yes, mm, I like it. Just just jot your name down in the podcast ledger. That's what you should, I get. Oh, oh actually, I'm going to get. Uh, I've got loads of pages at the front. Uh, for whatever reason, I started writing questions in the back. Uh, but uh, I'm going to get everyone to sign it, and then it could be a podcast the ledger. Podcast ledger. Yes, uh, we'll do it. Well, we won't do it on the recording. A live there. podcast signing. The sound of the ink yeah, scratching on the parchment. Uh, see, we're going to do it live. <laughs> you, you, you're hearing it here first. Here we go. Uh, this, you can be on the. You can be, there you go. Maybe uh, the first properly recorded. I'm going to move it really close to the yeah, so you mic can hear see it. if it comes up. I'm going to put some kind of edit over the top so it'll be... Oh, I would not have underlined it normally. I'm not that ostentatious, <laughs> but I felt that the sound of the underlining was essential. You know, there's a reason why... It's just my initials, my signature, because I can't be bothered. Because the other one is the one that I have in my bank, and I'm not, I'm yeah, not, yeah, I'm I mean, not giving everyone that. Well, uh, that's the only reason I'm doing it, so I get rid of it. I can do forgery. Good luck with my bank. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I should probably do like a, you really a banker need to podcast. <laughs> much more successful people if you're going to start identity thefting. Uh, but, you know, there's a reason why people tune in to this podcast, and uh, <laughs> people doing their signature is one of them. <laughs> but uh, I know what you mean with uh, signatures, because like, with mine, it's just it's very lazy. It's, it's essentially just me writing out my name, but just a bit more sloppy. It's, it's, that is what all signatures are, though, aren't they? Just a faster, less readable version of your name. And what a concept. I didn't realise for a long time that all my signatures had to be the same. Mine just changes every time. <laughs> it's, like, it's very translucent. I don't, think, I don't think anybody has ever challenged anyone on a signature no one has ever gone that's not what it says on the thing yeah like, people just go yeah all right yeah. i mean it's 2018 yeah no it's not yeah <laughs> it's 2000 well it depends on this podcast by the time this <laughs> yeah. scenario occurs it could be 2018 yeah but come on nobody uses signatures anymore yeah that's granddad oh sorry take your checks and yeah checks are like sling your hook i, I did the swindon fringe festival and they were like oh uh we just need a, a security deposit uh, can you send us in uh, a £25 check? And I was like, a check? Yeah. I was like, I literally had no access to that, so I had to ask my, <laughs> so my nana. Do you want it to be carried to you by a peddler on a donkey? Yeah, yeah exactly. Send it by carrier pigeon. <laughs> but yeah, it's that is of, ridiculous. Yeah, it was very strange. Um, but uh, so I've got some uh, stop podcast questions. Uh, okay. which, uh, uh, are you ready? Yes. Okay. How would you describe your act in three words? Three words. Three words. Oh, that's really... It's very hard to... Wait, wait, wait. Are you looking for... Because I was thinking you were looking for a grammatical sentence, but no, no, just, it's very just, difficult to just, structure a grammatical sentence with only three words. Oh, well, so people just have done it, but... Three adjectives that describe yeah, the sentence. Yeah, yeah. Uh, That describe the, yeah, the show. I assume you'll yeah. probably edit yeah, out yeah, the yeah. gap while, no, I, actually, while I think about it. In fact, it. they'll edit everything Could you, else, but, but... Just keep the gap. Just, yeah. So just with the sound of a signature, yeah. and then, then gap. <laughs> the most confusing podcast ever. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, uh, no, they make it. Well, they all make it sound terrible. If I'm if I'm honest, yeah. the words that come to mind are yeah. going to make it sound no, terrible. No, 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 go ahead, man. It's it won't be as bad as you think. <laughs> all right. Because yeah. the, the three words that come to mind are whimsical, yeah, clever, and niche. <laughs> they make it sound really dreadful, but I mean that is the kind of thing I like. I don't think it's a whimsical, that, clever, and niche. No, that, that's really cool. Uh, I've had uh, I've had people. Uh, of very uh, eloquent and very uh, pompous answers as well. So I think that's uh, is really cool. Okay. I like that. Yeah. Well, I mean, I don't think when I say it, I don't think it is 
terribly. I think clever is the key word rather than intelligent. Yeah. Because there's lots of great intelligence standards out there. But I think what I do is 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 clever, and it, and, and it wants people to know that it's clever. Yeah. But hopefully, it also sometimes makes the audience feel clever as well. So, how do you define the difference between clever and intelligent? Well, you can you can be intelligent, and you can perform, do you can do intelligent stand up without seeming intelligent. Yeah. As a person on stage, so Johnny Vegas's stand-up is intelligent. Oh, okay. Yeah. The character is. Johnny Vegas doesn't seem intelligent. I see. Yeah. Um, whereas I want to, I want everyone to know how clever I am, <laughs> and because I'm, I'm weak. Yeah. And so <laughs> that is shameful. Yeah. But if I'm being honest, true. So, I'm glad I asked that question. Um, so, um, how did you start in comedy, and uh, what was your first gig? I, I was at film school, and I just. Um, uh, finished making a grad film mm-hmm. which was not very well received and I was kind of depressed about that and I started doing stand-up comedy because I had always wanted to do it since I was about 11 oh awesome and at film school the, the bit that I was good at was uh, pitching the films so mm-hmm. where you stand up and yeah. you do a presentation and maybe you have a slideshow and I could do that and I would make people laugh but the, I mean, the films I was making weren't comedy films but I would, I would try and get people to I would persu- try and persuade people to make them using humour, yeah. which is weird because then it leaves them quite disappointed when the film turns out not to be funny. Yeah. And I just realised, I mean, I think the line that I usually say is that I, I realised that um, stand-up was a cheaper medium to be unsuccessful in because <laughs> yeah. you can do five minutes of... Uh, yeah. You could write five minutes of stand-up today and then perform it at an open mic yeah. that night and then find out immediately whether it was a good idea. Yeah. But with a five-minute film, that's months of work and... Uh, Potentially thousands of pounds, yeah, uh, and then and then maybe it doesn't even get an audience. So yeah. the five minutes of stand-up that you wrote on the day might be heard by more people than your film would have been seen by. Yeah, and it's um, I, I I come from a well, I used to uh, be in love with like drama, and I used to wanted to be an actor when I was a, like a kid. Um, but uh, the more acting I did, in, uh, like at university, I realised that you also have to work with a lot of other people uh, who maybe less motivated as well you spend all this time rehearsing rehearsing just for one show you know mm. what I mean it's just like it takes such a long time and yes. a lot of manpower to do it and uh, and it's the same with film it took me ages to realise um, that, with, that you're allowed to do a joke more than once in stand up yeah. I, I mean I, I did because I write really slowly I always did <laughs> but I felt like I was cheating because with film you just you just do it until you've got a few good takes or a few and then that's it you never do that again yeah, yeah. I, unless something went wrong yeah yeah but with stand up you can you can keep doing it until you until it's good yeah. and then once it's good you can keep doing it not forever yeah 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 maybe i've kept doing some things for too long but you can yeah. keep doing it for a while cuz other audiences have not seen that yet yeah um, and that took me ages to get to grips with okay yeah and so when did you perform your first live gig it was um, I think January of 2012. Yeah. Okay. So it was a New Year's resolution. Oh wow, that's. So uh, I, I wrote it over Chris, over Christmas. I had an idea for what I was going to do a set about yeah. over a Christmas holiday, um, and I, in January I came back and I did a, a set in the Cavendish Arms in Stockwell in South mm-hmm. London. And uh, what was the set about, if you remember it? It was uh, well. It includes one funny story that is a true story that I still do in my set now. Oh wow! That's that's how, good. That is how little progress I've made. <laughs> that story is still funny, but I've got other bits which are now funnier than that. Uh, but yes. it's still quite funny, yeah, so okay. it's still in there. Um, and it has one story which is also in my show, which the telling of it has completely changed, yeah. but I've still got it in the show. Um, but it was structured around me. Um, this is this is how uh, how pretentious it was. It was structured around me. Um, 
around James Joyce's Ulysses. Oh, wow. <laughs> trying to think of the way, how do, I, how do I slip Ulysses into this? So it was me buying a copy of James Joyce's Ulysses and then trying to get home with the book and being having a series of encounters on the way home. Mirroring, yeah. of course. Yeah, that's fantastic. The plot of Ulysses and the Odyssey. <laughs> that's high. That's like high art standard. That's well, really... it, I mean, it didn't mirror it. Yeah, that yeah, well. yeah. <laughs> but it, it, what I realised was a series of funny things have happened to me in the street. Yeah. If I strung them all together and pretended they'd all happened on the same street at the same time, and then added in James Joyce. Yeah. Comedy gold. <laughs> that's an end hour, man. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it turned out uh, not. But it turned out that you can do it without the um, overarching James Joyce structure, yeah. de- structural device, uh, which perhaps, you're absolutely right, is what I, I'm missing for uh, an Edinburgh hour. But it turned out that people are just happy with the funny stories on their uh, own. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I remember when I was a younger stand-up, I, I used to just... Someone described it once as joke decoration. I would love to put lots of, like, little... like Just, like, lots of fluff around things just to mm. kind of make it uh, look nice, but it didn't add anything to, like, the actual funniness of the story. It just made me feel better just to mention, like, little, like side notes. But, yeah, yeah I, I was a v- I was really fickle not to cut things out, if you know what I mean. Yeah. I know what you mean. I, I think I, I'm still... I'm, uh, there are still phrases and things that I'm using that I'm not sure why I'm using them for comedic reasons. I just like the, the way the words sound, and I don't know if that's all right. I'm not a huge fan of minimalism, you know. Yeah, I'm, I'm yeah. fairly in the vein of the Victorian Gothic. And yes. I, I, I yes. like I like unnecessary to the point of cumbersome filigree <laughs> is what I would like, and I want I want cornicing and cobwebs and grotesques and gargoyles. That's how I like it. You should. Definitely- I, I don't want you. You can take your pared down 20th century Ernest Hemingway stand-up. Yeah. yeah. I'm, not, I'm not interested. <laughs> That's my... Yeah, I would love to see you in Edinburgh just, like, decorate your room in this kind of steampunk kind of thing. Well, that's what I would love to do. I'm not going to do it. I'm just going to be in a tiny black box. I have a little uh, a little um, 1970s briefcase, yeah. um, which is actually a child's suitcase, yeah. but I'm going to carry that, I think, Yeah. in order to be able to sort of... Um, What's the you're from the theatre bank and the Stanislavski thing of like object focus? Of yeah, you've only got one prop, but you try to sort of build a world from just that. Yeah. So I thought, well, I'd like to yeah try and find one prop. It might not be a suitcase in the end, but yeah. I'd like to have something that has an element of, well, I've said sort of Victorian parlour magic, which yeah. a nineteen seventy suitcase doesn't exactly have, but yeah. you know, of of, of um, another time. Yeah, yeah. Like this has been uh, such a this, this in itself has been one of the most whimsical podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> this, is, this is brilliant. Well, that's my, my my minimal demand yeah. is that the podcast should be quite whimsical. We've mentioned Telltale, Stanislavski. We're really hitting yeah. uh, that, like uh, James James Joyce. Oh, also of course, big yeah. fan of the uh, text adventures. James yeah. Joyce. This really is... difficult to win a yeah. James Joyce text. A James Joyce text adventure. Oh, like, someone should make that. Yeah. Can we make that? But you have like... to answer with no punctuation, yeah. and that's <laughs> what makes the parser really difficult. <laughs> I think we want to a lot. Well, yeah. First, we have the uh, the autograph thing, and now we have the James Joyce text adventure. We're going to make yeah. a lot of money, man. Um, but um, uh, we kind of mentioned it earlier about uh, editing and stuff like that. But um, what routine have you loved, but audiences have never liked? Um, well, it's, it's weird to say this because I think that uh, so far the bit that I'm about to say is all I have for a second hour. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's the only thing I have that yeah. I like that I'm not currently working on for my yeah for my debut show. But I have a routine about no. I, well, I wouldn't say I have a routine, but I would like to do stand up about the the London Monster. Yeah, the London Monster. Never heard of it. No one has. <laughs> Um, which may be one of the... It, it, it is observational comedy, but it's yeah. just nobody else has observed <laughs> yeah. the thing that I'm talking about. The, the London Monster, or as he was known, the Monster, yeah. 
was uh, a, a sort of a precursor to Jack the Ripper, but but sort of didn't necessarily really exist. So in um, in Georgian England and Georgian London, there were cases of um, of uh, of women being well. What he would do is, it's not very nice, and it involves violence towards women, which is why it's one of the reasons it's hard to make comedy about. He, he went up to women um, with, with knives attached to his knees and then pricked them in the buttocks. Oh, OK. And that's what he did. Yeah. Um, and a, a sort of moral panic ensued. Yeah. And eventually one person got hanged who totally, definitely didn't do it. <laughs> What's interesting about the London Monster is that it's quite obvious that there was not one London monster. Yeah. Going around... A, a, a man was arrested in China a few years ago for, for stabbing women in the buttocks because yeah. it is a thing that sometimes men do. Yeah. Um, because we're awful. Yeah, so it, that could have happened. Men are the worst. We are the absolute worst. Yeah. But um, the, there's an enormous panic gets out and the, 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 he becomes a kind of bogeyman and phantom. Yeah. And so yeah. the different crimes that are attributed to him and the different claims that are made about him, he becomes like Spring-Heeled Jack, you know, yeah. able to leap over buildings. And, yeah, and yeah. so he's, nobody really knows whether he ever really existed at all, but everyone was terrified. And women would go around um, with, like, copper pans tied around oh, their, their oh butt- God, yeah. buttocks to protect themselves. Yeah. And my favourite thing is that the, the gentlemen of London uh, formed a no-monster club for men who weren't the monster. Yeah. Which is just so, so chivalrous. How are you helping the ladies? Oh, we formed a club. Yeah, just we didn't invite any of them. They wore badges that said, I'm not the monster, which is exactly what the monster would do. <laughs> yeah. uh, and so the, the, the ludicrous responses to that panic, Yeah. I, well, it, I think it has a parallel in the way that, um, that we, um, the way our, re- our response to things like terrorism might, in fact leave us open to more acts of terrorism in the future uh, and the, our response to the way we can sort of create the thing we're afraid of by being yeah. too afraid of it yeah d- certainly yeah uh, without going too like, deep into uh, uh, it but like obviously when there is an atrocity there's a um, uh, particularly in the right wing they do want to seize up and want to regulate more stuff like Theresa May would like to regulate more of the internet and make it more encrypted but like you're also uh, that's you kind of uh, reacting to fear in the wrong way. Yeah. Well, like, yeah, I, I think I, I wonder if in the left wing reaction to the to the Grenfell t- flat fire, yeah. I was thinking, are we just doing what the right wing do when there's a terrorist attack? And yeah. are we just? And I don't I don't think that we are because there are you can easily put regulations in place, and in fact we have put regulations in place to prevent high story buildings from going on fire. Yeah, but it's very difficult to prevent someone just deciding to kill people. Yeah, because if if you just if you own a car and don't tell anyone, yeah. there is nothing to stop you deliberately driving that car into people. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, policing that it depends on looking for the kind of people who are likely to make that decision, or looking for the people who might be talking online in certain forums, or yeah. talking in in whatever other organisations might foster those kinds of beliefs. But that is very very difficult to prevent. Yeah, yeah, certainly. And and the, the the things you have to give up in order f- for it to be impossible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it, yeah. It's like with the with the WhatsApp thing. You know, yeah. Theresa May was saying we can't find out what he said on WhatsApp. Well, neither would you be able to find out what he said in a conversation in a pub or yeah. on a telephone. Exactly. Yeah. So there's no dif- there's no difference yeah. between communicating via telephone because there's never there was never a record of any yeah. of those things. The idea that the internet has introduced some new area of clandestine villainy is yeah. nonsense. You could yeah. always have had these conversations. Certainly. Yeah. In and secret. And how do you police that? I don't know. Exactly. And. Yeah, um, I, I might cut take, all of this. Yeah, out yeah. Of the <laughs> I might take some of that. Cut all of that out of the podcast. 
on a bit of a, we'll, we'll, we'll go so, on it. So that is my, <laughs> so that is a bit that, for, for the various complicated reasons, uh, never, has never quite worked, but I will come back to the subject of it at some point, I'm sure. To go on a slightly different tangent, um, uh, you are a vegan comedian. I am. I, like all comedians, yeah. I am a vegan. Um, but unlike the other comedians who have just done it uh, to show off, <laughs> I was a vegan show. before I became a comedian. Yeah. Oh, how long have you been vegan? Um, oh, I don't know now. Um, since about 2007, I think. Oh, wow. So, uh, for ten, years. ten years. Ten, or 11, if yeah. this comes out in 2018. Yeah, yeah. Fingers crossed. 10 to 11 years. Yeah. Uh, that's uh, I've been a vegetarian for longer than that. But yeah. I mean, I, mean I, I, I say that. I'm sure I accidentally ate some cheese at some point within that. So. But... Yeah, as we. I, but I've been I've been intending to be a vegan for that amount of time. But it's it is difficult, particularly when you start. Um, um, sometimes you do make mistakes in certain products. Which, yeah. Um, or, they, or they change the recipe, and yeah. you don't know, and then you're just eating, and you yeah. go, "Oh no, yeah, it's got ham in it now." Yeah, exactly. Uh, have you had any of those uh, incidents recently? Or Not recently, yeah. uh, because well, I live in London, and it's very easy to find vegan food in London. Yeah. So uh, for the most part, I haven't had any slip-ups. Yeah. Uh, it's been a few years since I. Uh, <laughs> I feel like I'm in vegan confession. Yeah, now. yeah, yeah. That's what this. Uh, that's, that's my second yeah, podcast. Just, <laughs> yes. Say three Hail Morrissey's. And <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm crossing myself. Yeah, yeah. yeah uh, uh, but yeah, Morrissey's a weird one. Uh, he's not actually a vegan, is he? He's, uh, I thought he is a vegan. Is he a vegan uh, I now? Think, I think uh, he was just a vegetarian for years. No, I think he's. Uh, well, at his um, his stadium gigs, he uh, he demanded uh, that there's only vegan food. Uh, is that right? So, yeah. So I think he's full blown vegan, but he's also he's. Also slightly right wing as well, so it's it's yeah. it's, it's kind of hard to because uh, I, I was like I, I love what you do for the animals, but maybe not for the, so much for the humans. But, uh. Well, yeah, I, and I had a bit about that which I changed. Mor- I took Morrissey out of because having got Morrissey seemed in itself to be hack, even yeah. though he totally oh, deserves really? it. Yeah, yeah. So I've just made it more generally about zealous vegans yeah. and, and and Peter, the people for ethical yeah. animals, who I also find to be overly zealous. Yeah. But at least they don't. Um, keep saying things that sound quite racist <laughs> yeah. but I suppose it's quite easy to be a racist vegan because all the other vegans are white pretty much like 99% it's a, it's a very white middle class thing to do I read a really interesting article from a, a, a black American vegan or an African American I probably should say vegan about why black people aren't vegans in the States Yeah, uh, and obviously she is but she, you know, talking about the way that um, that food is more than just sustenance and it's, uh, it's, it's involved in the way we express love from one another and senses of family and community. Yeah. And, you know, talking about things like Thanksgiving and all the other yeah, rituals like that. that are parts of the American calendar, uh, and it must be the same in the UK. You can't just... For a lot of people, it's hard to say to your family, oh, by the way, yeah. I'm not doing this anymore yeah. and I'm going to sit here eating a plate of lentils. Yeah. Well, because it's more than just making yeah, a statement. Yeah, uh, my, my family uh, are beef farmers from North Yorkshire, so they they, they hate me being a vegan. Well, uh, yeah, yeah. Of uh, a, a lot of vegans I know are, are not that serious on the honey issue. Yeah, yeah. Well, because yeah, I, I, I recently found out that um, yeah, that, that we loads of bees are deliberately killed in the production of tomatoes anyway, so yeah. it's not terribly I, ethical. It, so yeah, it's, it's it's hard to again. It's um, I say the show I'm doing at the moment is about morality, uh, and it's hard to hard to be as uh, moral as possible because there's always uh, um, it's hard to really pin down. Uh, to, if you were to be so thorough and uh, to kind of take off everything that does cause pain and harm, it's difficult to be left with anything really. Yeah. Yeah, and you get to the point 
Uh, I think it's a very valid criticism of, of vegans. I think uh, Finn Taylor had a very good bit uh, in White Team yeah. at Whiteface about the fact that it's sort of like a, a disease or an injury that you that you adopt. You can, so you can sort of go, well, I'm not white, I'm a vegan. I suffer as well. You've, you've deliberately claimed yeah, yeah. A, a, a difficulties that nobody thrust upon yeah, you yeah, yeah. in order to suffer and, and feel like you don't belong as part of the, the dominant group. And I think that's true psychologically. I think that's part of the psychology. And for me, it gets very like sort of Catholic... Um, hermits just sitting in caves uh, not masturbating mm-hmm. as if that is doing good yeah and if we imagine we're doing good by just not eating meat mm-hmm. or not eating animal products you're not because a, a non-action is isn't moral yeah uh, to do good you actually have to do something and so yeah. it's much harder than that certainly yeah but yeah uh, so do you go to many of the, the, the vegan festivals or anything like that or? I've done comedy at a few of them yes, that's quite yeah. interesting it's not weirdly doing my vegan jokes there is not as much fun because yeah, yeah. Uh, my jokes tend to be self-deprecatingly vegan yeah, and the yeah. vegans go no we are great yeah yeah <laughs> we're um, not pretentious idiots I go well we might be so but the, that's the thing because I, I, I'm also self-deprecating as well but um, and I'm, I'm, I'm certainly far from being a preachy vegan as mm. well I'm not uh, I, I hate kind of I, I have a couple of friends on Facebook who are just like just like viciously vegan, if you know mm. what I mean. So uh, yeah, I do know. I do know what you mean. And uh, and that's the thing. The um, the we we absolutely should try and uh, make the case for for animal rights and everything. But it's the it's it's when it's more about preserving your sense of um, personal integrity than it is about yeah. actually doing good. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and that that's when it gets uh, has a religious element to it. And mm-hmm. that's where I, I you know I noticed only recently that almost every religion you can name has prohibitions about eating certain things yeah. and that there is a sense of bodily purity preserved by avoiding eating at certain times or certain things, you know, whether that's kosher or halal yeah. or you know, uh, fasting yeah. in, in all of the Abrahamic religions. And veganism is kind of the same. I didn't eat that shellac and yeah. therefore I'm a good person. Yeah. And, yeah. and that's not true. Yeah. Because you can still be really annoying well, as, uh, as yeah. many vegans demonstrate. Well, I, I kind of realise that... Um, you can be a good person, but you can also be immoral in terms of like uh, you can sit like for example you could uh, donate and help uh, homeless people, but, but you can also eat meat as well. So mm. you technically you are a demonist immoral, but you still I think you're still a good person. And on the flip side, you can also be a bad person and be considered moral as well. Because I know so many dickheads who are like uh, who who are doing uh, they're fighting a good fight, but they're also being dickheads as well. So. Yeah, and that's why there's, there's there's often there's often bullying and misogyny on the far left. Yeah, and that's really really unpleasant and dangerous. Yeah, uh, but. Uh, but it's, it's not something that people like to look at on the left because we like to think that we're the, we're the good guys. But then again, uh, on the left, there's so like because there's so many divides and then there's like labelling as well. There's so much infighting as well, so it's kind of hard to be progressive uh, together uh, sometimes. Yeah, uh, well, that's like the, yeah, the, we, that is, and, and and the reason that we're bad at working together is because of that sense of moral purity. Because yes. the notion of compromise is mm-hmm. is unacceptable. Yeah. to us. And 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 that's why we have to defend. You know, I I, I think I'm a member of the Labour Party, and yes. I'm glad the Labour Party did um, less badly than we expected. <laughs> yeah. I was glad to say well, which would have been inaccurate. Uh, but like again, like I felt because like, I voted Labour as well, and I felt like we won that day. We're like, yeah, like because. Because I went in there expecting nothing but annihilation. So uh, well, yeah, we beat the Tories in in the constituency I was voting in, oh, which was good because the Tories have been in and now they're out. Although Gavin Barwell got another job, but you can't have everything. And Amber Rudd here won by like three hundred votes. Yes, so, yeah. yeah, that is that is a disappointment. But 
you, you, but there are criticisms of Jeremy Corbyn that I think are totally legitimate, mm-hmm. and there, you know, there are, I, I you know, the, 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 his links to Hamas or whatever it is, I think, are massively exaggerated. But there are a variety of quotes that people can pull out, and you go, yeah, actually, I, I wish he had not said that. Yeah. But the, because of because of the uh, our obsession with purity, we either have to ignore that or explain. You can't yeah. just go. No, actually, I think he shouldn't have said that. But I'm still going to I'm yeah. still going to vote Labour because uh, because I think on on balance it's better. And the thing is, uh, but if you were to be quite balanced with, hey, uh, I I don't agree that you said that, but I still I'm, I'm a fan. Uh, the people are well, you're all wrong then. You know, like, yeah. like, it's kind of you can't have an, a debate or argument then. Yeah, and the difficult thing is that the the. The, the, on the right, they've got real politic, you know. So any yeah. it, r- the compromises the right wing politicians make are pragmatic yeah. and wise, yeah. and, and the compromises that left wing politicians make are uh, make them morally inept. Yeah, which is our fault for our obsession with morality, yeah. perhaps. Yeah, but that's the yeah. Well, yeah. this is getting depressing. Yeah, well, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Next question. <laughs> oh, we'll start wrapping it up now. Okay. Uh, and but I'll ask you a couple of uh, uh, quick questions. Uh, if you could flat share with any three comedians, dead or alive, in Edinburgh for a whole month, who would they be? Probably wouldn't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But <laughs> you I totally had to. I, no, right, sorry, if I, if I had to, you ha- I have to. It sounds like, oh, who would you pick? And lots of people are like, uh, well, I've only asked this uh, question a couple of times, but uh, they've been like, oh, like, uh, all these big names. But I was like, that would be hell for a month. Then. Yeah. So you have to pick wisely. Um, I don't know, because the thing is... Uh, if, if I can have any, then I'd probably go with people who are dead. Yeah. Then I might gain their, their secret knowledge that yeah. other people don't have. Um, but all of the people I can think of... I mean, imagine imagine flat showing with Peter Cook. Yeah. It'd be a complete <laughs> yeah. nightmare. But would he do the dishes? Of I don't course, think so. he wouldn't touch the dishes. <laughs> he wouldn't go near them. Absolutely. Um, I, I can't think... Of, this is a hellish question. Um, well, um, this year in Edinburgh, I'm, I'm flat sharing with um, Barry Ferns again yeah. and uh, several other people So, I, uh, who I don't know that well. Yeah. So I'm going to say them. The yeah. people who I am flat sharing with this year That's are true. the people I, I couldn't ask for a better <laughs> and nicer bunch of people and I will take their wisdom and yeah. P- Peter Cook can <laughs> go fish. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, what is the strangest thing you've done on stage? Or something weird that uh, you've seen on stage? Oh, that I've seen? Uh, well, whatever. Uh, what's the weirdest thing you've experienced, so to speak? Probably not the weirdest, but the, 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 one, of the, one of my most powerful memories on stage was being pulled on stage in Carl Schultz's show as an audience member, yeah. uh, as one of the people who he interacts with. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I think I had to... Um, he, I, I'm very physically awkward, and I hate joining in, and I hate being pulled on stage and all yeah. that sort of thing. And... Uh, and so he put me in a big uh, bed sheet and I was like a yeah. ghost and I think he then someone had to have sex with me I can't remember what it was because <laughs> I was in a bed sheet and he played the trombone um, and it was really funny yeah. and the audience were really laughing and I was aware at the time this is really funny so I have to play along with it but yeah. also I hate this is the worst thing I could possibly yeah. imagine <laughs> but I have to play along for the show because yeah. if I if it's obvious how little I'm enjoying maybe me not maybe the audience not enjoying it is the fun thing <laughs> yeah, yeah, in yeah. it but for them it's not that yeah, fun yeah uh, and so I, di- I, I didn't resent it uh, I don't blame Carl for yeah. it because that's that's yeah. the show and it was funny yeah but I did not I do not like being interacted yeah. with yeah do you do any uh, do you do any audience interaction when you're on stage yeah or? loads, loads. <laughs> yeah, just, uh, no I don't uh, well I, I will talk to the audience but um, I, I, I will, and I will solicit responses from them yeah. but I um, I if possible try and set it up in a way that I, I set the audience up so that they can do something clever or 
yeah. make a joke. So, yeah. if, and, and like, there's bits where maybe it's one in five times that someone takes the cue. Yeah. But when they do, it's really nice. Yeah, it's a nice moment. Yeah. Yeah. And the audience member gets a laugh, and that's really nice. And I, I would—that's what I would aspire to do. Oh, that's great. Um, and uh, we'll, we'll so start wrapping it up. But um, uh, before we go, um, uh, where can people find you on social media, and um, when are you performing at the Fringe? On social media, I can be found at Mr. ABK. That is spelled M-I-S-T-E-R-A-B-K because the other one had been taken by a faster <laughs> person with my initials. Because I only joined like two years yeah. ago, and I've got hardly any followers. Please follow me. <laughs> and uh, my website is abeckettking.com, and Beckett has two T's and uh, several other letters as well. Yeah, yeah. I'm in Google it. I'm not, not going to do all the work for you. Uh, and at the Fringe, uh, I'll be doing the Alistair Beckett King Mysteries, uh, which is actually listed as Alistair Beckett King colon the Alistair Beckett King Mysteries, <laughs> which nice. is really stupid. Takes up a lot me. of your work out. It's I mean, my name takes up almost all of the work yeah, out. Yeah of that show and that is on at 6pm at the at Pleasant's This uh, so that's the Pleasant's Courtyard yeah 6pm sounds like it'll be a good show um, but I'll, I'll finish with this final question um, do you think comedy has improved or worsened your life well I'm a lot sadder than I was when I started comedy <laughs> yeah. but in my, in my defence reality has got worse that's true. In, in, yeah. the, in those few, in the last few years, so it's hard to tell. I, I'm sure it can't purely be a consequence of me beginning to tell jokes. Yeah, that, that everything is going downhill. I, I don't know. Like uh, <laughs> before you uh, did stand up, Trump wasn't in power. So no, exactly. uh, <laughs> what about the collapse of the, the Western capitalism and and the liberal consensus? Yeah, yeah. I take full responsibility yeah. for that. Finally, that's what the podcast was for, <laughs> is to get this confession. This is my Frost Nixon moment. <laughs> no, I, I, um, I, it's, it's definitely been something that I've always wanted to do, and so it satisfied, uh, a, it, it satisfied a lot of impulses, creative impulses that I was directing in different directions. Uh, and it is shockingly fun. Yeah. I mean, I dislike doing it most of the time, but I am still shocked about how enjoyable it is to do. That's a great answer and a great way to end. So thank right. you very much, Alistair. Oh, thank you. We're now shaking hands. Did you hear that? I'll just yeah, we'll try do it again. Do the handshake near to the mic. Oh, are they going to enjoy that? <laughs> I'm going to make a mega mix. That sounded just really, yeah, really I'll, sort of fleshy I'll get, uh, friction sounds. I'll do a mega mix of uh, um, the initials, uh, the handshake, and just the dead air when you think. <laughs> it's like how an alien would <laughs> And now all the sounds for the physical parts they have. We'll put all that in. Thank you. That was Alistair Beckett King, everyone. Thank you so much for coming on to the podcast, and it's an absolute delight to uh, just speak to you. Uh, and I hope you guys enjoyed that. It was quite—I uh, had really good fun uh, filming it. I, the thing is that it was at this time I started listening to a lot of the Bugle. Uh, what happens? I have like a very chameleonic laugh, so I—I I do have my own laugh. But it, like sometimes I'll—if uh, something is making me laugh a lot. And if I hear people laughing, I'll adopt their laugh. And I listened to a lot of The Bugle with Nish Kumar uh, on a couple of episodes. So I kind of mimicked his laugh a bit. And whilst I'm recording this, it sounds really sarcastic and as if I'm putting it on. And there's bits I've had to cut out my laugh because though it was genuine, it does make me sound like a bit of a psychopath. I'm a bit like, well, you know, I'm just laughing for no good reason. But I'm actually having a lovely time, so uh, um, do bear that in mind. I'm not sure if I'm going to keep that bit in. That's very honest. Uh, <laughs> you know, but uh, 
I don't need to lie to you guys, do I? I don't, I don't give a shit about, like, if you think it's true or not. Screw you. Screw you and your, your judgmental views. <laughs> mm, definitely can't keep that in now. Um, but yeah, thank you for listening to this episode. Uh, as I said earlier, um, Alistair plugged his Edinburgh show, which, uh, from what I hear, did really, really well. Uh, but he also, in the last couple of days, he recorded it uh, for Next Up Comedy. Uh, he did a show with Michael Legg, and they both uh, um, did a like a recording of their show. And if you don't know what Next Up Comedy is, it's a live streaming like website, like Netflix, but for like uh, upcoming stand comedians. And uh, it has like an amazing range of like comedians. I'm not being sponsored by them anyway. Uh, if you do want to sponsor me, that'd be great. Uh, but it's genuinely a great service, and uh, there's lots of great comedians on there. A lot of comedians that I've had on here have been on there, and also ones in the future I've booked in and have recorded are also on there as well. Um, and we'll talk about that in a sec. Uh, but he he's just been recorded for that. So when that show goes up, please uh, download and subscribe and watch it because he's such a great performer, and uh, you might be able to buy it from his website as well and do discourse as well. Oh, um, other pod news. I have some really really great guests up and coming. Um, we have Sean McLaughlin. We have Sammy Dobson, a two-parter with Sammy Dobson, um, and we also have people like Matt Green and. I've also I've been booking in some really really cool people as well. So do subscribe to this podcast. Uh, you can also find us um, on at DrunkComPod on both Twitter and Facebook. And you know just get in touch with us um, through the Twitter and stuff like that. You can also give us five star on iTunes. Uh, as I say we have some really 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 cool guests coming up soon. So uh, please subscribe to it and just get it ASAP. If you do want to share it with your friends, that'd be wicked. Uh, this is a free podcast, um, like all the podcasts. But, yeah, so if you could just tell a couple of friends if you enjoy it. If you hate it, I'm surprised you're this far into it, to be honest. But if you do hate it, just, um, I don't know, download it and then not listen to it. Like, I still want the, the figures, if you know what I mean. So that'd be handy. Oh, yeah, um, this is... I've also, guys, I'm starting a, a brand new podcast soon with a good friend called Dan Rhodes. And Dan and I are doing a podcast called Myths. And it's going to be a comedy podcast about uh, retelling mythical myths. That's a better way of phrasing it. Um, like it's a comedy podcast about myths. And we're going to be just chatting uh, and just taking the out of each other and stuff like that. And, yeah, that's going to be coming out in the next month or so. So do sign up uh, for that as well. I'll plug it more in the next couple of months as well. But do check that out. We're on Facebook and Twitter um, at Miss Podcast. So if you want to get on the hype train early, because this, this baby's going to sell like crack. <laughs> um, okay, uh, I'm going to wrap that up there. Thank you for listening. And we'll be back in about two weeks' time with a brand new episode. I think it's going to be the Sean McLaughlin episode. And to be honest, guys... I think it's pretty good. Um, do check out all the other podcasts and tell your friends. I've been Matt Hoss. This is the Drunken Comedian Podcast. Thank you, Alistair Beckett King. We'll see you soon. Bye. Bye.